What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 68 of your favorite podcast, the Gordine Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, alongside my co-host, Scott Simmons. Today, we're going to continue our fat loss physiology talk with part two. All right. So again, I would encourage you, take some notes, listen up. Part one was the biggest drop in Grower Die podcast short, but fruitful history. So really fired up with that. I hope this one does just as well. I hope you guys are learning. I hope this is impacting episode 68 brought to you by revive supplements brought to you by raw supplements. Use code Mahaley 20 at checkout to support your favorite podcast. I'll see you inside. So I think you guys uh, really enjoyed part one of this. I got uh, my DMS were absolutely flooded on this. I tried getting to as many as I could, but you guys really talked about how you enjoyed it. And obviously, you know, I always appreciate that. I always love talking about physiology, man. It's always so fun. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard, like going all the way back. Um, cause I haven't read a physiology book in like 11 months, uh, but obviously like I took four and a half years of you know, direct physiology, uh, classes when I was in college. And it's like, sometimes it's like, it's not like I'm sitting here it's not like I'm sitting here assessing biofeedback, thinking about like I'm assessing biofeedback to make sure body fat's coming off. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you have to really think about the physiological process of it coming off mm -hmm. um, because it kind of just becomes second nature. So it's been like a kind of fun learning or uh, relearning uh, tool, like making these notes and just like putting on the pathways, um, feedback loops, um, just everything together. I fucking love it. So. In fat loss physiology part one, we talked about metabolic adaptation, leptin, sex hormones, ATP, the mitochondria, how they interact. Um, basically, we did like a whole overview of, um, you know, biology in there as well. Biology pertaining to um, how we kind of evolved into because if, if you don't understand um how we are the way we are, you won't understand why we are the way we are. Um, so sprinkling a little bit of biology. I'm not a biologist. My um, education in biology is truly only through physiology. Um, but I think it was easy uh, for you guys to understand and follow. So we're going to pick up. We last talked about leptin. Okay. And we're going to pick up today talking about its antithesis, which is ghrelin. Ghrelin is our hunger hormone. And any time there's a food drop, there's a body fat drop, um, and there's a stress response that is recovered from um, anytime sex hormones elevates, uh, namely testosterone, anytime growth hormone elevates, um, ghrelin increases. OK, so, you know, oftentimes I'll have people um, who, you know, will do their first ever uh, PED cycle with me. And obviously mm -hmm. in your PED cycle, you're going to have higher testosterone. And like, oh, my God, I'm fucking hungry. I'm mm -hmm. fucking ravenous. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't stop eating. Well, you know, this is why. Obviously, anyone who's ever been in a true uh, low percentage of body fat. And anyone who has ever been, you know, in a true dieting phase, you also have felt that way. Man, I can eat anything and everything right now. I think after I get done with today's podcast that you guys are going to be able to control that better, truly, just through simply understanding. Again, I think you guys are going to be able to control that a little bit better. So body fat drops, food drops, ghrelin increases. Well, what do we do during a contest prep? We drop body fat. We consistently drop food. We consistently raise output, although a raise in output is not as directly correlated to ghrelin as one would think. I mean, there's tons of people deep in the offseason training harder with more volume than they've ever been who just cannot fucking eat. OK, so ghrelin 
food drop, body fat drop, direct response. Ghrelin, leptin, and insulin. We covered leptin and insulin a ton last week. We're going to cover leptin a couple more times today. Insulin, I think, quite a few more times today. Um, but they all consistently signal to the brain. It's always in communication. Everything that goes on is in communication. You might think, well, how does your brain know that you need X, Y, or Z? And pertaining to food, well, it's because ghrelin, leptin, and insulin are talking to it. It's telling it your energy levels, how much intake you have. And they all essentially coincide, and usually they're on the same page with saying you aren't eating enough, you're eating too much, body fat's too low, body fat's too high, X, Y, Z, all of that stuff. So one could argue that hunger is completely mental, right? Oh, why not? Because these things are signaling to the brain and then the brain is kind of telling you or sending out more signals that are in response to what is being told. But hunger is very much so physiological as well, not just because your body thinks uh, per the the last podcast, um, what Scott and I discussed, it thinks it's starving for the purpose of this podcast. Um, But physiologically, yeah, you can just truly be really fucking low on food and you can truly just be really, really, really fucking hungry. How can we mitigate this? Well, again, I talked in the last episode about I like longer preps. I enjoy doing longer durations of preps. Why? This allows for more uh, consistent or or a more abundant um, um, utilization of periods of overfeeding, whether it be diet breaks or refeeds or whatever, true overfeeding. I'm not talking about just talking about maintenance. I'm talking about overfeeding because what happens when we overfeed? When we start overfeeding, now ghrelin, leptin, insulin all essentially flip their signals and flip their response, all right? Muscles get all full of glycogen, and our fat stores, our intramuscular fat stores are all filled up, and liver's all full of glycogen. Man, life's good. Things are really, really, really good, but we're not overfeeding to the point of, um, you know, storing body fat. We're overfeeding to get the fucking stress off, to get the cortisol off. Because guess what happens when ghrelin, leptin, and insulin are all shooting their fucking signal up to the brain. And the brain's like, fuck, we need food. Fuck, we need food. Cortisol skyrockets. Cortisol skyrockets. Testosterone's going to drop. We can kind of mitigate all these things through periods of overfeeding. We're going to talk about this more as we get in a little bit deeper here. Okay, so this is just another reason why I am very firm in my stance that carb cycling is the best approach to fat loss is the best approach to um, an improvement phase for a majority of folks. And, you know, the most sustainable approach as well, because through true carb cycling and having periods of overfeeding through a refeed, a diet break or just standard high days. We're able to kind of push off the cravings, push off the hunger and just continue making progress. Um, Understand. From what we understand, getting in like true stage conditioning, like true stage lean, it's viewed as a threat to your survival. So kind of flipping back over to the biology component here. You might be listening to this and thinking, oh, fuck, like people probably shouldn't do bodybuilding preps then. Well, Simple things like sweating, uh, getting chills, being in a sympathetically driven state when you're training and maybe post training or just when you're really stressed. You know, all these things are viewed as a threat to your survival, too. It's not that your body necessarily believes there's an imminent threat that is going to come in and take its life away from it. It's not necessarily it's not that serious. okay? but. 
It believes that there's the potential down the road if I continue dropping body fat and eventually I have zero body fat, which is physiological, physiologically impossible. You cannot burn all of your body fat. There's an element of body fat in everyone's body. It's a very small percentage. So like, don't listen to this and be like, oh, that's why I can't get fucking lean. Like, no, you just can't get fucking lean. You haven't worked hard enough for it yet. You haven't done it the right way. There's a small percentage of body fat in everyone's body that like you will, you will not get rid of. It's commonly like body fat that's like found on the organs it's like on our organs itself it's more protective in nature but also you know it's very easy for your organs to start utilizing those if need be Mm -hmm. um and it's very easy because your body's first and foremost goal is survive and thrive so what i need to protect i need to protect the organs um and so it's going to you know start shuttling nutrients directly to those places kind of off topic a little bit but there's an element of body fat you can't get rid of It's just all of this is just a stress response because your body wants to survive and thrive. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about insulin. Insulin is anti-catabolic in nature. It completely inhibits muscle protein breakdown. Whenever cortisol gets high from dieting, protein breakdown gets high. And when protein breakdown gets high, it starts shuttling amino acids to the liver to be um, um, converted into essentially a carbohydrate which would be a glucose molecule and then it's going to go get utilized as energy okay well this is really 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 bad this is why it's uh common for me to utilize insulin in low doses for um you know competitors who this applies to all throughout prep even with fat burners and people gonna be like but on reddit on on professionalmuscle.com I was told not to use insulin with fat burners. You just have to be fucking smart, dude. Your body's not in a a consistently catabolic state. It's not going to be in a consistently anabolic state. This is where an understanding of the endocrinology and understanding of pharmacology can really come into fucking play. Understand insulin and half-lives. Understand, you know, your fat burners and their half-lives. Understand their interaction together and what actually goes on. You know what I find wild? Hmm. This isn't in my notes. I just thought of it. Man, people... People won't dare do research like like true research. I'm talking about like finding out the why you just want to know the what, but the what doesn't matter because the why is what explains the what. And if you read the why commonly with a lot of these claims, it makes the what look absolutely fucking idiotic. So people never, ever, ever, ever dive into that. The what's the headline. But but they'll take 20 minutes to do it. What type of elephant are you? Quiz. (laughs) I mean, isn't that, isn't that fucking ridiculous? You know, you, have you ever done one of those? <laughs> not like an elephant, not like what type of elephant, but like what uh, type of uh, so shit? What are those? What type of animal are you? Yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. You ever done like one of those? the Star Wars characters? Uh, yeah. I definitely did it back in the MySpace days. Man, bro, we made a who what team helicopter you filter. Yeah, that was cool as fuck, huh? It's <laughs> still up. And, and people spend their whole fucking day trying to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that's a perfect example. It is a perfect fucking example. But, but you know, those people are on the teams. So they're all cool. <laughs> they all get it. They all get it. They get a get out of jail free card. Yeah. I just find it amazing because people read something and they just like take it as gospel. Like, what's the fucking headline? What's it say? Mm-hmm. What's it read? Oh my god! Like that must be true. Mm-hmm. And you know the reality is commonly so much different. Having 
a very good amount of skepticism is a really, really, really good way to navigate the murky waters that we're kind of in right now. Having too much skepticism and you'll never fucking believe anything. Nothing will ever be good enough. Dude, you want to know fucking why rice is a really good option for carbohydrates? Because it's fucking rice, bro. We don't need to get all the way fucking into this shit. <laughs> fucking eat it, bro. Rice, cream of rice, potato. We don't need to break down yeah. the, you know, chemistry of the sure. substance. We just just know this like, is wholesome and it's like this is how we developed in the beans we are now yeah. from eating these fucking things yeah if my dad ever listens to this podcast <laughs> it's kind of like when my dad told me my doc the doctor said bananas will make you fat <laughs> and i was like did he now how, how like, they make well, you fat? he's like there's, well there's carbs and the carbs make you fat <laughs> you're not wrong dude a lot of them will <laughs> it's just so metabolically inefficient for that to be a fucking thing it's just like like it's just very very difficult for that to be a thing <clears throat> Now, you know, I will say because some people, um, you know, there will be some people who actually do want to know the why. And I do want to talk about the why. Understand the only time your body actually wants to go through the extremely metabolically expensive cost of compiling enough glucose. I talked about this in the last podcast, right? How that works, the glucose to the triglyceride. I think that was the last podcast, how it has to form like 20 some carbon bonds for it to be a triglyceride. I think it was the last one. I hope it was. Anyways. Most of you listen to every fucking episode, so you guys will know better than us, <laughs> but it's awesome. So um, the only way that's going to fucking happen is if, I mean, your liver is completely full of, of glycogen, that your muscles are completely full of glycogen. Anywhere that you can store glycogen is just completely full. Everybody's like, oh, well, fuck, you know, where does this go? Well, in a super healthy person, there's a thing called nutrient partitioning that I do think we've touched on a few times. And it'll essentially try to bring it back to the, send it back into the small intestine and it's, uh, coagulate with other waste materials and then be transferred to the large intestine to be excreted through your bowels. Um, through people who aren't as healthy, um, is your dad healthy? No. Okay. No. So in him, in him, if his, if all of his shit's fucking full as fuck, yeah. and then he brings in a banana, then you know th- there is a propensity that that happens. But still, even Dude. at that rate, it's like it's not just going to happen. That your, easily. your banana's not going to make you fat. No. Breakfast nachos, you ate the full fucking <laughs> serving of or the full thing of like ten yeah, people. That's gonna that'll make, make you, you fat with your diet Mountain Dew and your cigarette. You know what's wild? Um, you know we took Athena to get um spade today yeah. and um you know we it was super early in the morning uh we were like driving back or no it wasn't that it was like seven o'clock uh we were driving back and we passed the mcdonald's and to, <laughs> i love i love david smashing that shit last night McDonald's. oh yeah. your program or your oh, protocol. Yeah, yeah 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 david's having two burgers uh every single night this week and so <clears throat> we passed mcdonald's you know it's like 7 a.m and it's like dude the line is just wrapped and i'm like man I, I love McDonald's just as much as the next person. I'm all for, you know, have your little freedoms and stuff. If you're not a competitor, I just like the, the all of these people in line are starting their, their day. Mm-hmm. This is this is the first thing they've done today is they drove to McDonald's. <laughs> and it's like, fuck, dude, you know, you're just setting yourself up for a, kind of a you know poor performing day. Dude, when I had a 8 a.m. shift at the car wash, yeah, when it was summertime, I didn't have school every day on the way. I hit McDonald's. Yeah. Get myself the sausage. Um, what are those called? It's the not sausage the sausage McGriddle. The McGriddle. Yeah. Ooh. Those things are, they the smack. Sausage McGriddle. I get one of those. Yeah. I get two hash browns. Fuck yeah, you did. I'd get orange juice and coffee. Fuck yeah, you did. When I go to McDonald's breakfast, I felt like, my order. I felt like ass two hours no, into the day. You felt terrible. <laughs> 
four four sausage egg and cheese McMuffins, two hash browns. Okay. Dude, I smack. Yeah. So I I go there. I I get McDonald's breakfast once a year. Oh sure. Like um before Savannah's birthday. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I yeah, got yeah. McDonald's yeah. right. That was yep. my one time a year. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I can't eat muffins from McDonald's or the biscuits from McDonald's. Really, dude? They're so good. They have to be Hardee's. Oh, okay. Way it's Hardy's better. better. Way better. I've never had Hardy's once in my life. Dude, I had it. And I'm very a long proud time. of that. I'm very, I'm very <laughs> long proud time ago. Of that. So back on track. Now that you guys know our McDonald's breakfast orders. Yeah. Um back to cortisol. Okay. Because we were talking about insulin, be anti-catabolic, whenever cortisol uh, increases from dieting, muscle protein breakdown occurs at a very high level, but Insulin will always defeat cortisol, understand? So that's why I have a lot of my prep clients utilize exogenous insulin. Um, that's why, you know, when you are dosing exogenous insulin, a very popular time to take it is pre-workout because during your workout, cortisol spikes up because muscle protein breakdown spikes up and cortisol just kind of inhibits that effect while shuttling nutrients greatly. Okay, so when cortisol is really high, it prevents leucine from signaling muscle protein synthesis. Leucine is the main amino acid trigger for muscle protein synthesis. This is a very, very, very important interaction. Arguably, I mean, it's one of the top three most important interactions for a bodybuilder. Um, It's kind of like top two most important interaction mm-hmm. for a okay. bodybuilder is that leucine's having its signaling. All right. For muscle protein synthesis, if we don't have muscle protein synthesis and we don't have nitrogen being replaced, we don't have amino acids uh, um, um, being turned over and actually shuttled into a muscle. We don't really have a lot going on here. All right. The muscles are just like sending the signals that aren't being um, there's the muscle cells sending signals to the brain that just aren't being transmitted, aren't being um, reciprocated. It's it's not being taken care of or fulfilled. Is there an optimal time to have leucine in your day post-workout's a great time is it better like than, immediately post-workout is it better than intro elite time um you could do an intro as well we, i think we're splitting hairs yeah we're splitting hairs at okay. that point okay. but but see post-workout you're gonna have more protein than your intro so mm-hmm. that's just why i kind of prefer it there because mm-hmm. you, you also like we don't want to signal 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 super hard during intro and then try and signal signal again for post workout intro we're only going to have what 15 grams of vaas which is about 15 grams is 15 grams of protein but that post-workout meal man we can get 100 grams of protein mm-hmm. or, you know i guess my post-workout meal is most people's are um and so that one's much more um uh just optimal for it mm-hmm. um when Cortisol starts preventing leucine from signaling muscle protein synthesis. It creates a systemic amino acid metabolism. This is bad. This is really, really, really bad because now your entire body is learning and being told and signaled to, hey, utilize amino acids for energy right now. It's okay to do. Fuck, dude. Once that starts, that is really, really, really difficult. That's a very difficult process to stop. But it's also the, I mean, it's the entire learning of the process as well. Now your body knows that it can do that and it can rely on that and it can utilize it. So the next time it has to do it, well, it's going to be much faster, much more efficient for it to actually do. Okay. So utilizing insulin during prep for enhanced folks, this is a pretty good idea to, to do because you can kind of mitigate all of this. All right. If you're an enhanced folk, you have testosterone in, which puts a ceiling on how high cortisol can go when testosterone is super physiological. They have insulin in, which puts another governor on how high cortisol can go. And, you know, that, that that's how you preserve fucking tissue, uh, you know, during your contest prep. All right. It's very, very important or any body fat loss phase, to be quite frank. So whenever cortisol goes high, muscle protein breakdown occurs, but fat is very likely to accumulate. 
So you pulled out a prep. Fuck, it just wasn't working. My body wasn't working with me. Man, I would say nine times out of 10 when these people come to me and they tell me about it, we assess every single uh, metric that we need to assess. Man, all you had to do is mitigate your stress, your cortisol. All you had to do was just have a better protocol, which, you know, I guess you can put on the coach. Um, but all you all we really had to do is just keep that from getting too high. The fucking pot overflowed. When the pot starts overflowing, it doesn't stop. It's really fucking hard to pull it back. All right. Is, is there any strategy to mitigate uh, cortisol release without feeding without without uh, PDs? Yeah. A longer prep in the overfeeding, the refeeds, the really high days on on. Um, you want to overfeed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you take those periods of the overfeeding and that's what's going to pull that cortisol back down. Your body's not going to be a stress because your body's going to realize, well, nutrients are coming in. Nutrients are coming in. I'm good. I think like we're done with this. I think he's yeah. done pushing it. And so it's going to pull back, pull back, pull back. Insulin's obviously going to be highly up because there's more nutrients coming in and they've got to get shuttled and taken places. And so that's going to pull that cortisol back down. Um, but I mean, you can't just fucking be in prep for like, you can't just be in a calorie deficit for like 20 straight weeks and expect it to go well. And man, so many of these people, like so many people go through that. And I just, I, 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 I don't, I don't understand. You, you truly cannot do that. Your body has governors on how hard it's willing to go places you need to consistently be manipulating this and pushing them further and further back so you can get in, in shape for a contest or just continue losing body fat period so the other way we can do it like i've mentioned high testosterone high testosterone puts a governor on cortisol whenever your testosterone is high we have greater nutrient partitioning effects which i just touched on greater muscle gain less fat accrual now this doesn't mean testosterone directly burns fat a byproduct of high testosterone because of essentially all of the feedback loops that i'm discussing right now is lower fat accrual all right. And then whenever nutrient partitioning is going to be up, obviously there's going to be lower fat accrual. Whenever you're building muscle, there's going to be lower fat accrual because those muscles need fed. Okay. So switching gears slightly to the thyroid. Thyroid is the main governor of your metabolism. Your thyroid controls the rate of which we burn fat, the rate of which we burn nutrients. It can control the rate, the rate of which we burn muscle here as well. Optimized thyroid, which would lead to an optimized nervous system as well. The two have to go hand in hand. It's obviously much better for fat burning and for, you know, less muscular loss. Okay. We're going to be able to inhibit losing muscular, um, uh, um, losing any amino acids from your muscles. Okay. Again, going back to episode one of this, not episode one overall. That's a long <laughs> ways to go. Um, one way that we can, keep the thyroid optimized during a prep because there's going to be metabolic downregulation. There's going to be T4 just sitting in the liver waiting to go anywhere. And it's not, it's essentially going to be froze there. There's going to be less of a likelihood that you transcribe T4 into T3. This actually used as the active thyroid hormone um, is by supplementing with T3. Very, very popular to use. Okay. But as popular as it is to use, it's almost just as popularly abused. Men, man, men, we can bounce back. Dude, in, in, in one of my first ever preps I did, I went up to 200 micrograms of T3 a day. Some people listening to this are going to know exactly who my coach was based on mm -hmm. 200 mics of T3 a day. That is like a replacement dose of thyroid hormone is probably like considered about 6.25 mics to about 12 and a half or maybe 20 mics for someone who's pretty big. Mm -hmm. 
And then like an actual performance dose of it would be like around any anywhere like under 40, like from about 20 to 40. I'm about 200. That sucks. <laughs> That sucks. And honestly, I came off and I was good. Is this might be a really dumb question? Yeah. But for the general health client, is T3 a larger dose of TRT? No. So I've never, so it'd be different. Like the the T3 centric to just the thyroid. Uh So using the two together, there's a lot of general health clients who utilize T3, but it's because they have to. They have like Hashimoto's, or maybe they have a type of PCOS that inhibits the thyroid. Maybe they have, um, so someone with hypothyroid. Um, Yeah. Any of those, like they're going to be on doctor prescribed T3. What's really Mm. frustrating about doctor prescribed T3 is I commonly see the doses are just absolutely bonkers like too low no way too high oh like ridiculous why and, do you think they're and too dude high? you know what else is wild you have to dose t3 multiple times a day and they're just like take it in the morning you're like why what? why do you think they're too high they i mean they're they're well above performance doses yeah like well above wh- and why like, do you think oh, a doctor prescribes something that's that, oh, they that high no clue. they just don't know they truly have no fucking clue okay i mean there was something in the book that blowing. said it once and they follow some rules or yeah, yeah. or i mean you know or or they're trying it, to sell it, their product. Yeah, it depends on the doctor. They sure. could just be pushing the product depending on their relationship, you know, with that, um, with the company who's who, who they're getting that T3 mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. or who they're prescribing the T3 from. So T3 is really popular to use during a contest prep. Uh, this will probably lead to a question about T4. Um, I utilize T4 in a contest prep with uh, when there's good growth hormone being utilized. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, it's just, it's just not as needed. It's not as much. I mean, T3 is the refined product. T3 is the, the active product that, you know, we want to end up with. Um, so, you know, why, why do we want to hit it from so many different angles? Why not just hit it from one angle, the the angle that we know is the most potent and the angle that we know we need the most. Um, so for those of you who thought about T4 and that, eh, with pharmaceutical growth hormone, I use it with anyone else. Um, I, I do not. So understand the leaner you are, the less body fat you have, the harder it is for your body to mobilize free fatty acids and the less body fat gets used for energy. So understand this is a big part of metabolic downregulation. There's a percentage, there's an element of all of your energy expenditure that's going to be from your stored body fat, which is triglycerides, right? So We need to preserve this because we don't like how fast we are losing this at or how much we're losing this at or how far you are pushing. So we have to preserve this and we have to save this. So if we just make it really, really, really hard to mobilize free fatty acids by dropping growth hormone, by elevating cortisol, then body fat won't get utilized. So now all of your energy burn is going to come from carbohydrates or proteins. I don't want to say all, there's still a small percentage is going to come from the free flowing fatty acids, but most of it's going to come from glycogen or amino acids. Okay. We obviously don't just want that. If it's all coming from glycogen, gym performance tanks, you feel awful. Your cravings through the fucking roof comes from amino acids. Again, we don't want that. We're losing muscle. Muscle's way too fucking hard to build to be utilizing it. So growth hormone drops. This is what happens. Hunger, cravings, appetite through the roof. How can we mitigate this? Periods of overfeeding. Longer preps are a better fucking prep. I hope you guys kind of understand a trend here that in a dieting phase, a carb cycle is probably the most 
is probably the most uh, physiologically helpful type of diet that we can have. Because through periods of overfeeding, we can inhibit a lot of these things. Now, this doesn't mean it's not going to fucking happen. It's going to delay the response of which it happens. It's going to delay um, the timing of which it happens. And it's going to delay the severity of which it happens. Okay. When we lower leptin, it impairs the uptake of T4, which was what we were talking about earlier. T4 is just the inactive thyroid hormone in the liver. It's just hanging out down there, waiting to be called upon to be you know turned into, in, into T3. So this can also cause problems because well, now your body just stops producing T4. Your body's constantly responding to what you're forcing it to adapt to. You're now telling it because of all these items that I mentioned so far in part two and in part one, you're constantly telling it that I don't, I, I don't need this. I'm not using this. I, I, I don't have a use for this right now. And then your liver's fucking, you know, packed full of this inactive thyroid hormone. And now we just don't have much free flowing T3 or usable T3. Okay. Another element of this is you're now using less free flowing um, um, or free flowing fatty acids. So now they're just kind of roaming around the blood. Couple items this does, but number one, what it does is it causes your actual tissue, like your 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 muscle tissue, to become resistant to thyroid hormone, and now your nervous system output diminishes greatly. You ever had that feeling in prep of extreme brain fog of fuck, I can't remember anything, or fuck, I just feel like I don't even know what to say. You, know, you just kind of start feeling like you're a true zombie, and like a lot of people go through prep and like, oh, I'm a zombie, and like it's not even that bad. They just like feel like they're supposed to feel that way, so they like mm-hmm. try and be cool. I don't know, fit in, whatever. <laughs> so this is essentially what's happening. You have a high free flowing fatty acids in your blood and it's causing your tissue to become thyroid hormone resistant. You don't have much thyroid hormone going on, dude, your nervous system output, it tanks, it tanks. There's a whole hormonal cascade in there. That's eh, honestly probably a little bit above my pay grade to really dive into, but the outcome is uh, not a very high performing, like, man, if you have a test to do and you know, all of this is happening, you are not going to be able to focus on that whatsoever. I mean, fuck, it's going to be interesting to see when I get in prep, how these fucking podcasts go. All of a sudden we have 10 minute podcasts. Oh fuck. Yeah, dude. I'm still alive. I'm making it. It's terrible. Scott, take it away. <laughs> you guys are going to learn a lot about cameras and nerd yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got the film or die podcast. <laughs> it's going to become film very creative. I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. Just a second. It'll be. Oh man. 30 minutes of Justin nap time. 30 minutes of Justin <laughs> me snoring. <laughs> it's very loud. I can promise we'll you We'll get that. David on here for that Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have some fill-ins. Yeah. Um, we're going to have so many guests when I'm in prep. Oh, like, shit. Talk. Please. Just, please just talk. <laughs> I'm going to get to the other like 15 of like the chattiest friends that I know or 15 of the most self-absorbed people I know. And man, that was going to be easy. Maybe to we'll just pull back quick. to two episodes a week oh, for like the last two weeks. Yeah, man, that might help a lot. Fuck. Yeah. But the people would understand. Yeah, fair. So let's understand real quick. Man, I had this as my last note that I wanted to touch on today um, because, man, I, I feel like this one was like kind of a lot of pathways and shit to follow along with. When you start like talking about liver metabolism and stuff, um, quite frank, I'm really excited to get feedback on this one because like the first one was like punch, 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 hit. Like the second one's much more like, wow, this is really fucking deep. Um, but understand what happens with a change of liver liver metabolism. 
lower T4, higher fatty acids, lower insulin sensitization. It impairs IGF because your growth hormone drop. This is huge. This is really, really big. We only have a little bit of, of uh, insulin-like growth factor that gets secreted daily. It's a direct response to, the, or it's a byproduct of the growth hormone. Um, and th- this essentially just tanks. It, it, Arguably, it's the most anabolic hormone that there is in the body. Arguably, it's one of the most important hormones in the body. But growth hormones serve so many purposes. And IGF-1 serves a very um, niched amount of, of services to the body. But whenever these things tank, the T4, the fatty acids, the insulin sensitivity, IGF, growth hormone, this changes a lot of neurochemicals to further downregulate. Your metabolism, your sex hormones, your biochemical systems, they all change. They all adapt. Your, con- your body is constantly adapting. They all adapt. They all downregulate. So at the end of a prep, that's why you kind of drag across the finish line. But truly through this, I want you guys to understand, man, it really is just mind over matter. It truly, truly, truly is mind over matter. It really is all upstairs. How far are you willing to push? How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to push those cravings back? How hard are you really willing to go, you know, to get lean? That's for, you know, if you're a bodybuilding competitor, you know, if you're someone who, you know, you never get in that kind of shape. If you're a woman that gets down to like 14% body fat, if you're a man that gets down to like 8% body fat, maybe 7.5% body fat, you're probably never going to experience many of these items. These items are still going to happen, but in you know very small quantities that probably won't inhibit your life much. What you're going to feel is more so just, man, you know, I'm hungry because I haven't, you know, I've been in a deficit to get down to this level of body fat. You probably shouldn't feel much performance decline, whether you're natural or enhanced at that level of body fat. Truthfully, again, that's kind of a mind over matter thing. I mean, it's not like your energy is going to be the same for a female, 14% body fat as 20% body fat, but at 14% body fat, you still have plenty of energy in your body to utilize for a hard training session. Okay. So this is truly for getting really, really, really lean, um, um, you know, for a bodybuilding show. I want to add on to this. Something that can enhance all of this is cardio abuse. How the fuck are so many people abusing cardio? I know I've talked about on this podcast a shit ton. Like it's a tool, dude. It's a tool. So fucking use it like one. But man, if you are really crushing cardio and you're adding that stress response to the body and you're adding that this insane amount of output. I mean, dude, I got a girl that came to me from one of the biggest fucking bikini coaches in the game. Like so many girls on the Olympia level. And she was on a 900 calorie diet and her cardio output was supposed to be 900 calories a day. And it's like, yeah, you know, these machine, these cardio machines don't actually count real fucking output. Like it's just an algorithm that's kind of entrenched in there. This is supposed to be a one size fits all, but holy fucking shit. So you literally want this person on zero just from the cardio in the, in the food, how are they supposed to train? How are they supposed to get needed? What the fuck you want them to do? Like you're trying to create like a thousand calorie deficit every fucking day. That's disgusting. I don't even know how you sleep at night, but 
you know, eventually everyone fucking exposes themselves as the frauds that they are. But through these first two parts, I hope you understand and have a really good grasp of exactly what's going on here. And the third one that we do, I'm going to finish up and tie all this in together. I probably could have done it today, but it just leaves you guys waiting. And honestly, we had a fantastic numbers from part one. The oh, biggest yeah. day ever. It was the biggest day ever. We had, we had the biggest fucking podcast day ever. Yeah. So let's fucking beat let's fucking beat that shit down. I, I think this one being short too is good. Because I'm, I'm trying to listen, like think about what questions to ask. Yeah. And I think it's gonna be helpful. I, I, I think had a lot a of people sense need of notes. relief. Well, I was talking about something back here. I had a yeah. sense of relief because I looked over at you and you were just lost. And I was like, man, other people are right now too. It's a good yeah. thing this is short. So you just go back, you know, you can kind of go back and just listen to Well, this to is one of those note-taking ones. Uh, yeah, if I was sitting here notes. taking notes and you know aligning the paths, it'd make a lot more it'd sense. It'd make a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah. So part three, I'm gonna tie all this together, and then we're gonna talk about some other fun items after that. For episode 68, we will see you guys next time.